0: What we've tried to do is actually take a lot of ownership and a lot of responsibility for providing not just opportunities to volunteer, but for to provide opportunities to, to volunteer healthily. We kind of came to a place where we realized that we didn't want to have a growing, thriving church full of people who had floundering personal lives.
1: This is a Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts and influencers, the dreamers and the doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. I'm Rich Langton, and on today's episode, we have Chris Davenport, who's our Hillsong New York City creative pastor. Hey, well, welcome back to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. It's so good that you've tuned in. Thanks for joining us on season two. Today, we've got Chris Davenport, who is one of our real genuine and authentic, very heartfelt leaders and pastors of Hillsong Creative. He heads up our New York City location from a creative perspective. And he and his wife, Leonie, they do a great job at I guess doing a big job with a lot of volunteers in a lot of different cities, you'll hear all about that. We spoke on our last episode about caring for our volunteers and caring for the team that we're a part of, and Chris does a real good and a very intentional job at doing that. So as we dive into the interview now, I hope it really helps you in your leadership and personally in your life balance.
2: It is great to be sitting here with Pastor Chris Davenport from Hillsong, New York City. Mm. Uh, Pastor Chris, welcome. Do you prefer Chris or Christopher? I'd normally go with Chris, but I'll answer to either. Christopher is my birth name, a given name. Okay. Um, then Pastor Chris, it is. We are obviously good friends for a long time. Indeed. Um, we were friends in Sydney, Australia. Mm. Then we were friends in New York City, where we shared mm. a few years, and where you remain to this day as the creative pastor in Hillsong, New York City. Is this correct? That is correct. It's nice to see you again. Nice to see you too, Gabriel. And so I think today uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time, but we'd love to get your thoughts on a few things about uh, leadership and creativity and worship. And hopefully they'll be able to help a lot of people, which is really cool. Yeah. And so I thank you for taking the time to be with us. Absolutely. I'm excited. As the creative pastor in New York City, I mean, it's... It's a huge job, it's a huge city, it's a huge church. Can you tell us a little bit quickly about what that looks like week to week in terms of services and size and teams and what you're responsible for? So
0: the creative department within New York City still exists overseeing everything that we do as a worship team, um, including all of our production, um, but also all of our communications. So all of our internal and external communications, whether that be um, film or print or social media. So my wife, Leonie, and I, we oversee all the teams that outwork that across all four of our locations, um, which is something that we're currently doing through almost entirely volunteers, which, um, which has been uh, really awesome to just have so many people who are really just ready and willing to put their hand to what we're doing. Um, so for us, week to week, what that looks like is on Sunday, we have... Uh, services in Manhattan and New Jersey. Uh, and on Wednesdays, we have services in Connecticut and in Boston. And then throughout the week, we have another number of different other midweek services that kind of apply to different people and uh, different walks of life that they're in. <sighs> Man, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, it's a fair amount, but we, um, I think we're growing team and growing personally and learning how to manage it all and manage uh, our health, but also manage Mm -hmm. expectations of kind of our leaders. And so I think that that's uh, having good conversations about that is actually really, really helpful.
2: Yeah, there's a lot here that I wanna unpack even just in this first kind of minute or two. Um, Going back to the start of what you said there, you talked about how everything that comes out of our church from worship to communications, print, video, um, everything creative sits within the creative team there, which we know isn't the case in a lot of different churches. There's separate teams, separate departments. Right? Do you find that to be a smooth process? Does it sit together well? Is it something that's been challenging for you to develop leadership over these different areas of creativity? I think for us, thus far, we actually really enjoy the model
0: so far, um, just because that it brings a lot of cohesion to. Um, everything that we're saying and doing as a church. So um, in an ideal world, the way that you can kind of see that evidence is in the fact that, say for instance, if we're focusing on a specific event in the life of church, say our Heart for the House offering, um, everything in our church, uh, all of our social media, um, all of our um, psychs on screen, all of our emails that are going out to church um, and even down to the semantics that our MCs are using during services all are cohesive and they line up together and they um, they all act as kind of ways to um, instill whatever it is that we're talking about as a church. So for us, it's, right. it's cool to kind of have that opportunity to have everything centralized.
2: Yeah, I get that.
0: Um, the challenge that comes with that is just lies in the sheer amount of detail that that requires. And so that means having enough time to be able to be planned in advance to have all those things be on the same page, which is sometimes uh, more challenging than others. But I think for us, one of the things that we've really enjoyed the most is to be able to feel like no matter how you experience our church, be it during a midweek service or on a Sunday, or even just through an email communication, right. you feel like you're a part of it and yep. you feel like you're hearing the same thing. Yeah, I love that.
2: Board. That's powerful. And I notice you guys do that well on all those different platforms. So I think it's working from the outside looking in. Uh, one of the other things you mentioned there was that you are, we'll talk about the multi-site aspect in a minute, but you said you're also almost completely volunteer driven for every position, um, which is, is the way we've kind of built our church in large mm-hmm. part is off the you know the strength of our volunteers and their contribution but I imagine in a city like New York where people are busy and trying to like just the hustle and bustle of it that would be a different kettle of fish altogether. Have you found it challenging to work with a primarily volunteer team considering how much you're outputting as a church? I think that we've found it
0: particularly challenging um, for a long time and I, I, I think that one of the things that we've tried to do more recently um, is kind of change the way that we've been thinking about how we push our volunteers and how we um, how we kind of utilize their time really effectively. Because I think that in a city like New York where, um, say, the cost of living is extremely high, um, but a lot of our volunteers are living on part-time jobs or day-to-day jobs. And so every moment that they give to our church is actually depriving themselves of an income. Um, and so what we've tried to do is actually become, um, take a lot of ownership and a lot of responsibility um, for providing not just opportunities to volunteer, but for uh-huh. to provide opportunities to, to volunteer healthily right. and to give people plenty of time to make decisions where they can set up their lives um, yeah. in strength because yeah. that we kind of came to a place where we realized that we didn't want to have a growing, thriving church full of people who had f- floundering personal lives. <laughs> and um, so our, I kind of, we kind of stepped back and, and decided that Serving at church should be something that enhances um, every aspect of your life. It mm-hmm. shouldn't just enhance your walk with Jesus, and it shouldn't just um, enhance your your ministry opportunity. It should make everything about your life better. Um, but the only way that that works is if we allow people, if we afford them the opportunity to do it in health and do it in strength, yeah. and also let people know that it's okay to say no. Yeah, and um, that doesn't decrease their value. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't decrease the. Um, um authority that they have um so i think some of the best leaders that we have are some of the leaders with the um greatest time constraints but they just use the time that they have really effectively and um and so we're learning to kind of make that make that work so we're committed to the volunteer spirit um but we're just kind of making it work for a new city
2: I love that and I love that you're mindful of people's time and commitments and you want to honor that, which is really cool. I think it ties into the next thing I wanted to ask you about was the the multi-site or multi-campus nature of what you guys are doing I mean, a lot of people now do the multi-site thing, like it's more and more common, but most people are doing it kind of 20 minutes, 30 minutes down the road where they can drive down and they can speak or whatever else. But before you mentioned that you're doing it in New Jersey, Manhattan, Connecticut, and now Boston, all at the same time with volunteer teams. Um, This would present a unique set of challenges for you. How do you kind of make sure that you're maintaining the culture that we're trying to build as a church? How do you make sure that those places are growing when you're not even there? Yourself every time. I think um, just being. I think we've
0: learned uh, kind of through trial and error what it maybe not everything, but we've learned a fair amount of what it takes um, to start a location. And um, and so, luckily, um, Connecticut and Boston have uh, reaped the benefits of of that. And so, um, I think that we. The goal is is that we continue to launch our locations with more and more strength. Um, as we as we go on. So for us at the moment on a practical level, what that means is uh, I um, find time or make time um, to be in, in each location once a month, meeting with the key team and, and talking with them um, and, and helping them with kind of the practical outworking of things, whether that be systems or rosters or services or pastoral care challenges or anything like that. Um, and then throughout the week, um, they are kind of our teams that oversee those locations are in touch with me and and with our key team that's based
2: in Manhattan. So you're still involved with them week to week, but it's phone calls and Skype meetings more than you trying to go to those places and do it yourself. Correct.
0: And so um, I think for me, the main thing is putting people in place who you trust, and you trust you trust your their heart, and you trust the way that they think. And so the the way, one of the things that we've tried to really instill into a lot of our leaders is to help them believe that the way that they're wired to think is actually just as much of a part of their calling as their gifting is. And for them to trust the way that they think and trust the way that they make decisions and trust that it's the way that we would want things done. And so from that place, um, hope to be the type of leaders who are releasing people to make decisions but who are secure enough to be corrected. And um, and so what that does for us is it means for a large part, we have a lot of incredible leaders who have um, a high level of vision and a high level of ownership for their location. And they have things that they want to accomplish. And they're doing that built on a foundation of our church culture, but they're doing it of their own accord um, and of their own motivation. And um, and so what's awesome is I just get to come alongside them and help make sure that aligns with who we feel like we are as a church. But Mm. for the most part, um, they get to be quite autonomous in their decision-making and Mm. um, their ability to kind of press things forward. That's great, Debs.
1: That's really great. Today's episode is brought to you by our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference. And we are so excited about the conference, which is happening again in November this year. And at the moment, there's a special price for you, which ends on May 27th. So check it out at hillsong.com forward slash WCC.
0: This is Chris Davenport, and these are my Fantastic Four. Uh, The last great book that I have read is Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God by Brian Zond. I am going back through old Coldplay albums, so I'm currently listening to the live in 2003 album recorded right here in Sydney, Australia. One thing that I want to be better at this time next year is I would like to be more personally disciplined when it comes to uh, the management of my time and my meetings and my schedule and all of those fun adult things. My favorite place or way to recharge uh, would just be sitting by myself, having a coffee, relaxing, and uh, taking 15 whole minutes to just not be accountable to anyone except for me
2: it sounds like hearing you talk, you've got so many things that are kind of sitting in your portfolio from communications to TV to worship to all these campuses in different, not just cities, but different states. Can you just give me a quick window into what your actual week looks like, your day-to-day? Because I imagine that you could spend 30 hours a day, seven days a week doing stuff, but obviously that's time that you don't have. You've got a wife, you've got a young family. Um, Give me a little glimpse into what a week looks like for you. So for, for us, um, we do
0: our very best to make sure that Mondays are a day that we kind of take to um, power down a little bit. Um, sometimes that... Why Monday? Um, kind of, a, it's an easy opportunity to take a Sunday um, and just be able to reflect upon it and have some kind of low pressure um, time yeah. afterwards. Um, so And that's the day off for the rest of the team? That's the day off for the rest of the team Great. as well. And so we kind of try to, to the best of our ability, kind of keep phone calls and emails and all that good stuff kind of on an as-needed basis. Yep. Um, and then on Tuesdays, we have a core team meeting um, where we kind of debrief the weekend past and we talk about the next few weeks coming up and mm-hmm. sort of all the th- things that we're focusing on across all of our departments. And then later on Tuesday, I'll run a um, creative-specific debrief. We'll kind of get into more of the, the detail aspects of things, um, where we just go through uh, our wins, and kind of what we call our wins in our areas of growth. Um, so uh, we don't have losses. We only have things that we learn from. I like that. And uh, so we um, we go through our wins and our areas of growth. We use um, something called Um, which I think you guys use here in Sydney as well. Little
2: shout out, very nice.
0: We use it uh, to have all of our different team leaders submit weekend service reports. And so we kind of go through weekend service reports and flag things that uh, either I would like specifically more more information on or we feel like is maybe a habit um, that we need to work on or kind of an area that we need to grow in. And so we kind of um, go through all that as a team. And um, from there... Make plans and practical next steps to tackle those things. One of my main things that we do in that meeting mm-hmm. is um, I make sure that we set uh, actual dates for when these things are going to be fixed, Great. Um, not just ideas of how they will be, uh, how how we will grow through them. Yeah. Um, and so we we do that meeting um, on on Wednesdays. I have a lot of one on one catch ups with each of our department heads. Yep. Um, on Thursdays. I have an, a core team meeting for sort of longer term uh, projects that we're working on, conferences and things like that. And then we have team night on Thursday nights. Yeah. Fridays in the office as well, which is sort of our final
2: details finalizing on the weekend. Yep. And then we have church on Sunday. It sounds like you work through the teams a lot and empower leadership a lot rather than kind of do things yourself, which is different to the traditional kind of worship pastor model. I do my best. Don't we all? To do so. (laughs) Okay, so I guess by way of finishing up this part of our um, podcast, what would be something that you're working on now in your own kind of personal leadership? Something that you want to be better at this time next year that you're aware of that you need to develop?
0: I think not living uh, in extremes is something that I'm working through at the moment. Um, All of us can kind of have a tendency sometimes... Um, to let life make decisions for us Mm -hmm. that we should be uh, making intentionally. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes uh, I can focus way too intensely on the practical side of my job um, and neglect the pastoral side of my job. And then uh, in a reactionary stance, instead of an intentional one, uh, I'll Uh go and I'll focus solely on the pastoral side of things and then the practical things fall apart. And there's actually, I believe... Uh, a third path to be taken and um, a more, a middle ground that can be found. It's actually healthier, not only for me and for my spirit, but actually healthier for the team. And uh, it's much more sustainable, much more long-term and actually much more impactful. And so I think for me, that's kind of trying to make uh, decisions that will keep me in that place rather than um, kind of getting hypnotized by the complexity of things. Cause sometimes when you look at everything that's on your plate, you don't even move at all because you don't know where to begin. When in the reality, uh, one of the best things you can do is just start with what's in front of you. And uh, so I think for me, trying to not live in extremes is something I would love to be better at this time next year.
2: It's really good. and. Something I guess we can all work on. Interesting to hear that even you as one of the worship pastors in one of the like most, you know, craziest churches in America are working on those things. It's encouraging and kind of gives the rest of us hope that if you're working on it, it's okay, the rest of us are right. as well. So Chris Davenport, thank you very much for coming to join us today. You're the absolute best. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriel.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I really loved Chris having the opportunity to share that with us. Uh, I've known Chris for some time and I've seen him on and off the platform in front of a team and behind closed doors. And I love that he is a genuine heartfelt leader. And it really came through there that he's trying to self-improve. And I think my takeaway from that and my encouragement to you is to be a person like that, a person who's wanting to improve themselves and not just wanting to get more out of their team or more out of other people, but really self-assessing and and self-improving as well. So now next up is our creative compass, which is a new segment for the podcast, which we started last week in episode 11. So if you missed that first sort of introduction, why don't you go back and check that out. But right now we're going to jump into the creative compass with myself, Mushiri, who you heard last week and Vicky Ruff, who heads up our creative moments. For a little while, we would refer to our creative team as a family. We would say from the platform, we're a family, so we do this and that. And I guess as a church family, that would be true. As Christians, we're part of, you know, the church and that's a family. But as a team, we play a function. Mm. And so the language of family sometimes is a little bit unhelpful.
3: Right?
1: Um, do we want to just talk about that a little bit and the difference between team and family? I don't know if there's as
4: much a discrepancy in terms of function, functioning within a family because they
1: this still might get, be interesting. Well, no, 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 <laughs> as in, as in
4: because within a family, the dishes still need to get done, the trash right. needs to get taken out, the lawn needs to get mowed, the right. cars needs to get washed, the house needs to get
1: kept clean. So there is function within family, right? right. But know. sometimes people in a team environment, like yeah. in church, if when we use the language of family they would think everybody's always happy and mm. everyone's lovey-dovey and family. In a sense, they would think of the ideal family mm. and maybe we're more, more like a dysfunctional normal family mm. yeah. where um, someone the dishes do need to get done or the trash yeah. does need to get taken out but no one wants to do it. Mm. Yeah. In a task sort of or event-driven sort of environment, how do we nurture real relationships with people, with mm. each other as co-workers and then as volunteers? How do we do that? How do we create real relationships?
3: I like to live by a value, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) I I really do. No, I really do. I really genuinely have a value that if we are in ministry together, then we are friends. So there's not a question of if I'm working alongside Mush, say, for example, it's not a question of will he like me, will I like him. Yeah, right. It's just a done deal. Mm. The minute we're in ministry together, we're friends. Yeah. And that would... My expectation in my life is that should flow into every area so then it wouldn't be strange for us to have dinner together or to go and have coffee or to invite to my children's birthday parties because Mm. the minute we're in ministry together... We're friends.
1: Yeah, I yeah. love that. For For us, Cass and Rich, I, f- I think that that would be our value, mm. yet the practical side of just <laughs> yes. the pace of life <laughs> yes. means we don't do it as much. That's true, A- yes. And therefore we have to be really mindful of those things, yeah. Of mindful of the relationships yeah. that we have and and of building into, yeah. really intentionally building into the relationships that, that we need to have and that we want to have mm. um, because it's so easy to be doing church with people, living life alongside people, but never yeah. actually living yep. with them, yeah. letting them into yep. your world and yep. being in theirs, yep. and and even again with the pace of life, it's so easy to be looking to others to care for you, yep. but you never actually caring yep. for anyone else. Yep. Right. And I, I think. Right. Um, um, we would say sometimes in our family, um, you've got to uh, give a snuggle to get a snuggle. <laughs> so, with our kids, you know, <laughs> if they want to get a, a, a hug from me, then I've got to give one to them. Or, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's right. a giving thing, it's not just a receiving thing. And I think relationships are like that where, where it's all about giving. That, yeah. that would be the way Jesus yeah. approached it. Yeah. You know, he gave to people all the time mm. with little expectation of anything mm. else. But um, sometimes we just want people to feed into us. Mm. And I, I see that in our teams. Um, sometimes people will say, no one's pastoring me, no one's caring mm. for me. And then I look at, the, you know, behind the scenes and realise they're not caring for anybody or looking right. after anybody right. either. Right. Right. It's so easy to be one way and not, not be wanting to give. Um, the irony is if you give, you receive. Yeah. You know, that's the way where it's set up. Yeah.
3: I think it's not also good, not good to not, not avoid some difficult questions, Right. to be honest. Like I think sometimes it's, we may not have, as someone who I'm serving alongside in church life, um, perhaps I have not had that person over for dinner or perhaps I haven't had a one-to-one coffee. But actually as a leader in the church, that means that I don't shy away from asking a question like, how are you really? Mm. How's, how healthy is your soul? Right. How's your relationship with God? Mm. How are you juggling all of this mm. to then more quickly maybe push past a superficial chit-chat in a corridor to a place where someone actually feels like they can open up a little bit more? Mm. I think that's important, not being afraid to ask a few questions mm. and wait for an answer.
1: Yes. Then you
4: realise quickly then you've got to have margin. I think that's yeah. the, you've got to be deliberate margin for these conversations right. because like you said, how yeah. do you actually do this in a, in a place where there is always something to do that's you know, task and outcome-based and activity-based? You've got to have margin for that second mm-hmm. and third question. Yes. You could have margin to, like you said, to make space for, you know, to have the conversations and have people mm. for dinner and everything else. Yeah. So schedule it just like you schedule everything else. Right. Yeah, that's right. Like from a practical, really practical perspective, yes. Yes. like schedule it. Like you've got a run sheet for everything else, like <laughs> yeah. you know, in a, in a roster and whatever else, like dinner with friends and mm.
1: whatever else it looks like. Yeah, mm. schedule it in. Because I think there's a lot in that. So there's the looking after your long-term health and and well-being personally means you have to have relationships. Yeah, you have to have friendships. That's right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Eventually. Um, you know, serving alongside people and not having any relationships, you start to question why you're even doing Mm -hmm. it. Right. And so I think you have to look after that. Then there's um, the the leadership aspect. Mm -hmm. You said, Vicky, about just stepping up and asking people, in a sense, taking on that responsibility of pastoring the people that you're leading. Absolutely. And therefore that means being willing to ask those questions. Yeah. We talked at another time with Annie. She said sometimes mm. she wouldn't be that direct. Mm. And I think that's her personal mm. approach. Whereas yeah. I probably would be. Mm. Yeah. I know Cass definitely would be. I She's am. all yeah, about yeah. just yeah. asking people um what's going on. Really what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Um and I think for me then that that the next aspect or the other aspect to highlight is the care is mm. is really um choosing to care for these people. Mm. So I may, not, may or may not, in my team, I may or may not have coffee with all of them mm. every week yeah, or right. have dinner with them you know, right. all the time. But as the pastor and leader of this group of people, God's entrusted me with the yeah. leadership over them. Yeah. And therefore, whether I know them or not, my responsibility mm. is to care. That's, right. Um, That's and, right. And I would hope that our team would know that at the very least, That's that's the baseline. I care for them, and I care for their well being. I'm in relationship with them in that way, and um, that's despite what they give me, or Mm. despite the part they play in the team, or whether they you know decline the roster all the time, which is a tricky place to be. be, But I think if we care for them on that level, I think you said earlier, Musha, another time, that if we care for people on that level, then. The, the other stuff will take care of itself. Yeah. If they're healthy yeah. and we've got great relationships, then then the stuff we've got to get done together yeah. will be fine. It'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that on iTunes, YouTube, or SoundCloud. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can be a part of the journey with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you want to give us your comments, do that on our Instagram. It's at HillsongWCC. And we'll see you next time.